this morning, Mark's Gospel, chapter number 4. And we are going to begin verse 35. Again, so good to see you here. And if you're visiting with us, this is your first time, and uh, we'd love for you to... Uh, to let us know that you're here, there is in the bulletin, if you have one, a uh, tear-off sheet that you can uh, tear off and fill out. Um, uh, due to the whole virus and stuff, we are um, not receiving offerings. We've got them in the back there. Uh, the offering pan, if you want to fill that out, we'd love for you to fill it out and stick it in the offering pan. Uh, don't ask you to give. We just want to have a record of your visit and say welcome. Thanks for being here today. and. Um, also, if you have any prayer requests, we are still taking those. Make sure you fill that out. Stick it there in the back. Um, but if you are a regular tender here and you have your tithes and offerings, uh, make sure you stick that in the back after the service, and then we'll make sure we collect that and, and count it, obviously, and everything else. So if you didn't bring it, if you want to give, you can always give on our website and do that as well. If you don't know, our web address is FACC. PA.org. So there is a giving link on there. We'd love for you to give. But thank you so much, everyone who has given. Um, even while we weren't meeting, God has been good to us as a church. And we're glad you're here this morning. All right, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It says these words On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. That he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? They were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. My sermon this morning comes out of verse 38, where you read those words, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And of course, you know, we are used to saying and used to talking about how you know how and who your friends really are when trouble comes your way. And of course, we see that to be a truth. We have experienced that undoubtedly in our own lives. We have seen that in multiple examples. We've had friends, no doubt, who have been there when the good times and have kind of disappeared when times got hard. And Jesus even kind of alludes to it Himself when He tells the story of the prodigal son. If you remember the account of the prodigal, the son went away, he had lots of friends. He spent his time in riotous living. Why? Because he had a lot of money. 
And he was willing to spend that on his friends. And of course, you're here and you've got money this morning and you want to take me out to eat? I am your friend, yes. I will admit that. (laughs) But of course, we know what happens. Once the money ran out, the friends left. The prodigal found himself in a pigsty, not even eating the slop that the friend, or the farmers, I should say, were feeding for him. And of course, again, this illustrates my point. Our friends sometimes are not there. We feel like we're all alone, especially when times really get hard in our life. And how much more is it sometimes when we find ourselves feeling like we've been abandoned, not just by a friend, but abandoned by God Himself? Have you ever been there? In your life, maybe you have asked this question that the disciples are asking, Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? Does Jesus care about me? Does He care what we are going through? My challenge to you this morning is this, to remind you and to let you know by the time you leave today that God does care. He is with you and He will never leave you alone. So my first point this morning is this. Does Jesus care that we perish? Does He really care that he perish, that we perish? You look at the situation here and you, you realize that this question has valid. It has, or validity I should say, it has merit to it. Does it not? Verse 38 of Mark 4 tells us that Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And He was in the stern asleep on a cushion when the winds and waves were ravaging a boat and threatening to sink His disciples. Now think about this question and why are they asking this question? They're experiencing real tragedy. They're experiencing real heartache. They're experiencing real fear and danger. And by the way, this isn't a bunch of novices and rookies that really don't know anything about both. These were experienced fishermen. And yet they're asking because they're afraid that their life is really in danger. And they're asking Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? And think about why they would ask that. First of all, Jesus suggested that they go to the other side. It was Jesus Himself who suggested, who told them, or whatever the word is that you can fill in that blank. Jesus suggested, let us go to the other side. Look again at verse 35. On that day when the evening had come, He said to them, what? Let's go to the other side. And why did He suggest they go? Don't know for sure. Perhaps He wanted to preach to the other people. Perhaps he wanted to get away from the crowd and rest. Perhaps he just, you know, who knows, wanted to get out on the lake for a while, the Sea of Galilee. Who, who knows the reason why he asked that? Only God knew his purposes. But yeah, here is Jesus telling them, we must go to the other side of the sea that we are at. Think this through with me. I mean, I can tell you, This week, we're going to go to Florida. I can say this because our car runs well. It's just had a tune-up. 
Oil's been changed. It's running great. It's under warranty. I can say this because financially, we have the wherewithal to go. But I do not know that if I were to leave on Thursday and head down to Florida, and by the way, if you're going to Florida this week, change it to Arizona or New Mexico, wherever you want to. I don't want to scare you half to death and think, oh no, we're going to die. But I have no idea. If I leave this week, I will, I will crash somewhere in the Carolinas, somewhere along 95. I do not know that I would ever make it. I mean, I make these plans, but yeah, we don't really know, do we? My point is, we don't know what tomorrow holds, and that's fine. We're humans. We're finite. But we're not talking about a, another human being. We're talking about God Himself, God incarnate, the one who supposedly knows all about the past, present, and future. The one that John wrote about in John chapter 2 when Jesus turns the water into wine and then goes to the temple and He casts out the money changers. And John says these words about Him. He says, John, Jesus on His part, did not entrust Himself to them because He knew all people and He needed no one to bear witness about man for He Himself knew what was in man. In other words... Jesus knew the thoughts and intents of the heart of man. Jesus knew, and we see this illustrated at other times in the Gospel, what was going to happen up ahead in the road. And so why was Jesus looking at these guys and saying, we have to go to the other side? That's not just that. Not just that He just suggested it, but notice also Jesus was asleep while the storm was raging. Jesus was asleep while the storm is raging. Where is Jesus when, when the winds and the waves are beating against the boat? Verse 38 tells us again. He was in the stern. He was asleep on the cushion. Now look, I you know try to be careful and not throw stones at people who sleep. It's hard to tell sometimes what people are going through when you see them and they can't struggle to keep their eyes open. We had in our first church in western Pennsylvania uh, two people, in fact, who would work overnight and then they would work overnight on Saturday and they would come on Sunday morning and they would teach Sunday school and uh, lead worship. And, and you can just see it in their eyes sometimes. It was very, very hard for them. And they struggled to make it through Sunday morning worship service. I'm not going to say when people come and, and you see them somewhere, they're at your house and, and you don't know whether or not they've struggled with insomnia or whatever else like that. And, and maybe there's other issues that keep them from getting a good night's rest. It's hard to judge someone and why it is that they seem to be falling asleep. And I'll just say, if, if you're one of those who have been working hard and you're up all night and you're working and, and you're coming, thank you so much for coming. God bless you. And, and do your best. On the other hand, if you've been up all night on the internet watching Facebook or watching Netflix, turn it off, repent, go to bed, get up and come to church, all right? Is that okay? Amen, Pastor. Good job. <laughs> But we don't know why people struggle the way they do. But, but, but I do know this. And when we were young and first married in our 20s, we used to 
drive all night from Pennsylvania to Kansas at times to go see our families and drive all night to go on vacation and whatever else like that. And it just gets harder and harder to do now that we're not in our 20s anymore. But, but I do know this, when there are vicious, violent storms going on, Boy, oh boy, it's really hard to sleep, isn't it? How many of us in our lives are in danger find ourselves just sawing logs and seemingly ambivalent about what is going on around us? Remember our experience in Superstorm Sandy there in 2012 and, and the winds were beating on us and, and all of us as a family were down in the living room asleep and, or trying to sleep and we weren't sleeping very much and, and part of the soffit on the house came loose and it was just banging against the house and, and, and it was a, a scary time for us. I'm from Kansas. We don't have hurricanes all right you guys are probably rolling your eyes and saying come on it wasn't that bad um i'll get my revenge when we have our next tornado around here and i'm outside cooking hot dogs and you guys are holed up in your basement all right because that's what we have in kansas that's what i'm used to we we think about this and we think how is jesus asleep look we take this storm and we translate it in our own lives and we look at what's going on and we see maybe financial hardship because we haven't been able to work in a couple of months. Businesses have been shut down. We see businesses being destroyed in, a, in an instant by rioting and looting and burned to the ground. See people getting sick and winding up in the hospital on ventilators. Find ourselves asking the question, does Jesus not care that we are perishing? Maybe it's whatever in your own life you can fill in the blanks and say, God, don't you care? There's an old hymn that says, does Jesus care? Written by a man named Frank Graff who was a minister in a United Methodist denomination. In fact, he was served several of the churches in our own area in the Philadelphia Conference. Throughout his district of the Philadelphia Conference of the Methodist Church, he was known as a sunshine minister, but in spite of his outwardly cheery disposition, uh, Mr. Graff was often called upon to go through very severe testing experiences. During one of these times of testing despondency, doubt and physical pain, Mr. Graff wrote these words, does Jesus care? He wrote this hymn, and it says this in verse 1, and I've got it on the slides there, Elle, if you want to pull it up. But you've already one step ahead of me. It says, does Jesus care? When my heart is pained too deeply for mirth and song as the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary. Long, verse 2, does Jesus care? When my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear, as the daylight fades and deep night shades, does He care enough to be near? Verse 3, does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong? For my deep grief I find no relief, though my tears flow all the night long. Verse 4, does Jesus care when I've said goodbye? To the dearest on earth to me and my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it ought to Him? Does He see? Maybe you feel that way this morning. 
Does He really care? And the chorus to this song answers this question. It says, oh yes, He cares. I know He cares. My heart, His heart is touched with my grief and the days are weary and the long night dreary. I know my Savior cares. That is my next point this morning. Yes, He cares. The answer to your question is yes. Yes, Jesus cares. Yes, He knows what you're going through. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There is not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2 says, But now thus saith the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are Mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you even in the midst of all that is going on, God is with you. The song, or the verse, I should say, the verses that Frank Graff wrote that song on, 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, doing what? Casting all your anxieties on Him. Because He cares you casting your cares upon him because he cares for you St. Corinthians 1 verses 3 and 4 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who does what who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we can comfort those who are in any other affliction the comfort by which we ourselves are comforted by God these are just three verses I could go through. Many, many more, but all of them demonstrate, all of them show us that God is there, that God is not silent, that God is watching over us, that God has not left us and abandoned us in our time of need. God truly and really does care for each and every one of us. He is the one, after all, who said, not a sparrow falls to the ground. I've been walking around our neighborhood and in the last week, last few days even, we saw on the road a little frog that had been smashed by a car. And we realized that God knew where that little frog was. Oh, they're fun to pick up and play around with when you're a kid or whatever. That was a creation of God. And he saw, we also saw a tiny little bird that had been killed somehow in some way, whether hit by a car or whatever the case was, a very young bird. Jesus says, not even a sparrow falls to the ground, but what I know, I know about them. And then he tells us how much more valuable are we than the little frogs and the little sparrows that we see that have been injured, that have been killed cars or whatever else my friends you have great value to god and god knows you and he sees your life 
He's watching over you. No, I don't have an answer why you're going through the struggles and the pain and the heartache that you are. But I do know this. God does care about you and his eye is upon you and he is watching over your life. Let me clarify a few things here before I finish this morning. And that is this. First of all, being a Christian Being a Christian is not a guarantee to be free from danger. It is not a guarantee. And if someone has told you that if you're a Christian, you'll never be sick and you'll never have financial hardship and you'll never struggle in life, I'm sorry to say that they have led you astray. And that is a lie from the pit of hell that makes you think that being a Christian is a guarantee to be free from sickness or pain and suffering. We have to understand that. And this thought has to get firmly fixed in our mind. Or you can even move forward. And Jesus said, I have said these things to you in John 16, that in Me you might have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. But take heart. He's telling His disciples, you're going to have trouble in this world, but you don't have to worry. You can have peace while you're going through it. And you can remember that in the end, God has overcome the world. Christ has overcome. And in Him there is peace and victory. We could go to thousands of other verses, but think about the Beatitudes for a moment. Just think about what Jesus says. We like to quote the Beatitudes. We love the Sermon on the Mount. Think about these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you. You mean that's what it means to be a Christian? Well, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes that's what it means. Maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't sound like a picnic or a parade. It sounds like a a mess to be going through. Yet in the midst of it, we find ourselves just like the disciples saying, don't you care that we are perishing? We love to read Hebrews chapter 11, don't we? I mean, Noah builds an ark and God saves him and it's awesome and you go to sight and sound and it's such a dramatic production and we're all standing on our feet. Moses goes up there and Charlton Heston goes up there and tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And oh man, it's great. Awesome. Abraham and Sarah have a child at a, well, we don't like that part because, you know, I'm 42 years old and the thought of a baby is kind of enough. can imagine being 100 years old and having a baby, right? But we think about the miraculous part of that. We think about how God delivers Daniel out of the mouth of a lion. And we forget Hebrews 11, 35 and 36. Women receive their dead by resurrection. Great, awesome, wonderful. The dead are brought back to life. But yet, he goes on and says, some are tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sown in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, whom the world is not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. 
Doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. Point is this, Christians catch coronavirus. Christians have businesses destroyed by lawless looters. Christians die at the hand of mean, evil, sinful police officers and others who are not upholding their duty to serve and protect. On and on and we go. Christians bury their mothers and fathers. Sometimes Christians even bury their own children. We are not immune from the troubles that this world brings upon us. It's not just that. We also need to remember sometimes faith results in deliverance from the storm. Sometimes faith results in going through the storm. Sometimes it's deliverance from the storm. We're in the storm and all of a sudden, bam, it's instant peace and quiet. The times were not so fortunate. Verse 40, Jesus chides him, why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith? And, and look what happens in verse 39. Jesus awakes and says, peace be still, and the wind cease. And there is a great calm. We like those words. We sing songs about it. An old southern gospel song says, he can say, peace be still. When he says, peace be still, all the winds and seas obey. For this story here in Mark's Gospel, we should probably turn over to Acts chapter 27 and read a bit there. Acts 27 verse 1, when it was decided, this is Paul and Luke here writing, we should sail for Italy. They delivered Paul and some of the other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a, a, a ship of a Dramidian, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. Paul, or Luke, or rather, is telling the account of how Paul and him and others are headed off. Verse 14, we're told, as soon a tempestuous wind called the northeaster struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along, running under the lee of a small island called Cotta, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. Verse 17, after hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship, and fearing that they would run aground on the Certus, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own land. Verse 41, striking the reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow struck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the ship. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners. Then he should swim away and escape. Verse 43, but the centurion wishing to save Paul kept him. Carrying out their plan, he ordered those who could jump or swim rather to jump overboard and make for the land and the rest of them on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. What a picnic, right? I don't know about you, but I read that passage and I think you all can go to Beltsville, have your picnic all you want to. I'm going to stay right here where there ain't no water around. Doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Doesn't sound like a, a picnic. Doesn't sound like Jesus was there in the midst of it. And yet, Paul stands up and he says, God has appeared to me. 
And he's told me we're going to be okay. Eat a little bit of food. Everything is all going to be all right. Simple truth is, many times we don't see or understand or realize what God is doing. We don't understand what it is that He's facing. We don't understand why it is that He steals the storm in somebody's life and yet we go through it. Why it is that somebody stands up in church and says, I've been healed from a disease or cancer and yet we have to suffer through chemotherapy and treatment and sometimes even succumb to it. We don't know why God does these things. But here is my point. Even in the midst of our storm, God wants us to know that He is still God and He is still there. My last point is this, no matter what, He will be with you wherever you are. He is with you. Look at what happened again in verse 36. They left the crowd, they took Jesus in the boat, Other boats are with him. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern. In the stern of what? In the stern of the boat. Right there in the middle of the boat with him. And they awoke him and they said to him, don't you care? They didn't use their iPhone. They didn't text him. They didn't call him. No, they got up and they walked three feet and said, wake up. He has not left them. He has not abandoned them. He did not walk away from them. Now we know He did at other times because they went to the other side again and a ship was sinking again. And guess what? Jesus comes walking on the water to them. Regardless, we know this. Jesus did not leave them alone. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff will come for me. Where will they come for me? In the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 20, Go into all the world, teach baptized, teaching them to observe all that I am with you. And guess what? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Every martyr that is killed, every missionary, every Jim Elliot that loses his life and made saint for the cause of the gospel, God was with him. 2 Timothy 4, at my first defense, Paul Writing this letter, writing his last words to us, said, No one came to stand by me. All deserted to them. All deserted me. Let it not be charged against me. But he also said this, Even though all my friends abandoned me, deserted me, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. God was right there with the Apostle Paul when nobody else was. God is with you this morning. Story is told about a little boy who wanted to go to a birthday party of a friend who lived just a couple of blocks away. On the day of the party, blizzard came, storm was ravaging and howling, but the boy really, really wanted to go. Boy's father told him, I don't know if you can go, and he pleaded, Lord, please, or Dad, please let let me go. 
Finally, the father relented, said, you can go to the party. The boy got bundled up in his clothes and he plunged into the storm. It took him almost an hour to walk those very few short blocks to get there, but as he rang the doorbell, he turned around. And there he caught in the shadow of his eye a figure walking away and realized in a moment it was his father. As his father had followed him every step of the way to make sure that he was there with him. You may not see him now. You may not know where God is now, but I promise you and I assure you by the word of God, he has not left you. He has not left you alone. He has not abandoned you. He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So no matter what you're facing today, you can cling and hope to this promise. I am not alone. You are always with me. You will never leave me. Now let's pray this morning. Lord, we're in very uncertain times. I know that and I see that. God, we don't know what to say or do. God, we grieve for over 100,000 Americans whose lives have fallen to a sickness. Hundreds of thousands more around the world. We grieve for cities that are being burned and destroyed. We grieve for injustice that takes place in our communities and in our society. And Lord, even more, we grieve for family members who received diagnoses they did not want to hear. We grieve for those who don't know that their store will open up and survive or their business will ever call them back, struggling because whatever reasons... God, we know you're with us. Lord, maybe someone here this morning needs to be reminded of that truth. I pray that it would sink into their hearts today. You have not abandoned us. You have not forgotten us. You are there. But you will never leave us or forsake us. May that truth resonate in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.